everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump school coming off of super bowl weekend and headed into another impeachment week so ladies and gentlemen tonight (laughs) oh as always we have a lot going on and a lot to get to uh, first and foremost, uh, big ups to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Congratulations, Florida. But in other news, uh, we're going to have some amazing guests coming through Psychotic Bump School this evening. They've all been here before. So I want to welcome back uh, California progressives, Dina Becker and Dallas Fowler. They're going to be breaking down some of the latest insights regarding Bernie Sanders appointment to a major, major committee position. That's Dina and Dallas coming back this evening. We're also going to have Lori Peacock and Jeffrey Keller breaking down the latest in politics as well and talking about this whole thing called unity and impeachment and kumbaya. Is this the time for kumbaya or should the Democrats just run their agenda uh, in lieu of this uh, upcoming impeachment. So Lori and Jeff are gonna be back to break that all down. And we're having a discussion about the latest Netflix sensation entitled Malcolm and Marie that stars John David Washington, as well as Zendaya or Zendaya. I gotta get the pronunciation correct on her name. Zendaya uh, really was instrumental in making this film happen. A lot of buzz and a lot of discussion about this film. Uh, How was it? Any good? I have two filmmakers here to break it on down. That's Jalea Jackson out of Atlanta, Georgia, and our good sister out of California by way of Flint. uh, Jamie Burton Orr is back. Jamie and Jalea are going to break down their critique of the Netflix film Malcolm and Marie. So it's going to be an amazingly full show, and you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWGTheTruth.com. My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We're going to kick off our show with Lori Peacock and Jeffrey Keller after this. Yeah, this is Jeff Keller from the Pocho Hour Power on KPFK 90.7 FM, and you're listening to the Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Oh, yeah. Okay, we are back. KCWGTheTruth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, we have clearly now embarked upon the Biden-Harris administration. We are almost 20 days in, y'all. And of course, people's expectations are abounding, but we have to have some realistic grounding as to what has actually been happening and what's soon to come in the future. There's been a whole lot of talk about bipartisanship and whether or not Joe Biden is going to extend olive branches to the other side even out to uh, progressives on his own side. How well is he doing with that? What's all this talk about unity and uh, coming together on both sides despite everything that happened at the Capitol on January 6th, okay? How about accountability? The impeachment trial starts tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, we gotta talk about that. And to help me have this conversation, I wanna welcome back, actually for the first time in 2021, I miss them so very 
much. Y'all don't even know how much they helped me out. And they have been amazing uh, collaborators and co-conspirators on this program all throughout 2020 for sure. Definitely helped me get through that election season. And I am so happy to welcome them back for the first time in 2021. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Lori Peacock, and the inimitable good brother, Jeffrey Keller. Lori, Jeff, are you there? Yes, sir. What's, What's going up? on? Mr. Keller, still yeah. Mr. Keller in the house. How you doing, good brother? I'm doing great, man. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to watch yeah, the man. NFL cheat again. I'm going to watch him cheat <laughs> for the uh, Trump supporter, Tom Brady. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. And there'll be a controversial call in that game that will be in his favor, and he'll win at the end on some BS. Yes. So he can ride <laughs> off into the sunset finally for this career, right? You think he's going to play again, win or lose? Oh, he's going he's gonna to play again. He got like a two-year contract or something like that. Really? Mm -hmm. Man, I'm going for the black quarterback, man. I'm sorry. Come on now. Speak yeah. on that, Ron. I'm for anybody black. <laughs> Mahomes is one of us. I'm going for anybody black. So I, I just hope it's a good game. Well, welcome back, y'all. Um, wow. There's been so much happening in 2021. And the last time I had y'all here, we had just crossed the burning sands of the election. So uh, since that time, uh, they're talking all this stuff about how Biden and uh, Vice President Harris should run their administration. So let's go to Lori Peacock first. Generally speaking, Lori, before I go to Jeff, how are you feeling now that we have Biden-Harris in office right now? How much better do you feel? Do you notice any change in how you feel? Anxiety levels lower, perhaps? Lori Peacock, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I feel so much better. I feel like this huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders. Yes. And I know that it's not, you know, the be all end all and everything's not going to be sunshine and roses right away. But just the fact that we haven't heard all that negativity, all those tweets, all the, the news every single day about one more thing that he said and done and just the, the hate that he was spewing and the negativity, you know, that that is just gone. Um, well, you know, for the most part, God, uh, from the way that it was, it has helped so much. And I think it's not just me. I think uh, the, the country is breathing a collective sigh of relief that these four years have, have passed us, that we made it through them, not easily, but we made it through them. And now, you know, there is at least some kind of flicker of light at the end of the tunnel. And it looks like, you know, things are going to going to going to improve somewhat, you know, from what we what we experienced over the last four years. So yes, I feel great i really do i mean I, personally i have some other things going on in my life that are wonderful too but you know it's just it's just i think that this burden that was there this negative this dark cloud that was hanging over our country for so long has been lifted and you know i i feel much much better absolutely jeffrey keller she just pulled a la and baby face on you and brought out some tony braxton says she can breathe again jeffrey keller how are you feeling about this <laughs> uh, you know i I think that we should start the year and talk about some positive things uh -oh. that Trump did. Let's, oh. let's talk about some positive. Everybody want to bash him. I want to talk about some positive things. Man, break it right? down, Jeffrey Keller. First thing, if it wasn't for Donald Trump, we would never have the first black female vice president. Thank Ooh. you, Donald Trump. Thank that you. never would have happened. <laughs> true. If, if it wasn't for true. Donald Trump, we mm. would never have in California, the first Latino Senator Alex Padilla. Thank That's you, true. Donald Trump. That's true. Wow. And if it wasn't for Donald Trump, uh oh, 
this this is gonna be real now. Uh oh. After the white people, right? They hmm. they they raided they raided the Capitol. If it weren't for Donald Trump, we would never know who the true terrorists were. Thank you, Donald Trump. Thank you, Donald Trump. <laughs> TDS. They used to call that Trump derangement syndrome. Now it's like, thank you, Donald. Oh, Trump. D T D T D T. Well, you know what I'm saying. But yes. wow, that's quite a perspective. So Jeffrey Keller, did he in fact make America great after all? <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? He's the first, he's the first president, right? He's the first president that brought black people, white people, brown people, gays, bisexuals, oh. yellow people. He brought us all together to vote him out of office. Thank you, Donald Trump. This is the first person that could do that. Wow. To bring all the people together like that. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And Lori, Jeff is not exaggerating, actually. It's like the Democrats now have the White House. Democrats now have maintain the House. Democrats flipped Georgia. Democrats now control the Senate. So that happened all under Donald Trump. So maybe yes. Jeff Taylor has a point. Yes. <laughs> he does. He does have a very good point, And he's right. And had we had... Um, you know, I, I things would not have be the way they are today had it not been for Trump. Had things not gone so horribly wrong and so terribly bad, he's Jeffrey's right. We we wouldn't we wouldn't have elected uh, a black woman to vice president, and we wouldn't have all of these these milestones and historical events that we're having now. So I still can't bring myself to thank Donald Trump for anything <laughs> because even those good things can't possibly outweigh the bad. However, I appreciate. Mr. Keller's positive spin on it. And uh, he's absolutely right. Oh, that's a spin, all right. That brother loves to uh, take spin classes, so I am not surprised <laughs> from him. But you know what? Jeffrey Keller mentioned the January 6th storm in the Capitol, and now we know who the terrorists are. So speaking of that, and speaking of the issue of accountability, because we're going into an impeachment, y'all. He is the first, talk about great again, uh, Mr. Keller. Trump is the first president in history, history, to be impeached mm -hmm. twice, twice. Mm -hmm. Do you know how bad of a president you got to be to be impeached <laughs> twice and to have it be happening in the last 10 days of your administration? You know how bad and ridiculous you got to be? So we have an impeachment coming up. So if all those things happen, Jeffrey Keller, uh, what are your thoughts on this upcoming impeachment? Should we uh, just let bygones be bygones because we talk about accountability. They did storm the Capitol. And before he exited the White House, he did try one more time, as Lori uh, Peacock was just sharing with us, to raise that temperature one last time uh, to, you know, a basic coup to overturn a duly appointed official and to try to hang his own vice president, Mike Pence. So should we be talking about impeachment, Jeffrey Keller? What are your thoughts on that? This is the amazing thing to me, that you have people raiding the Senate. They want to go in there. They want to go in the Capitol. They want to go in there. They're looking for Pelosi. They're looking for Pence. They're looking for people to kill. They're looking for people to lynch. They're looking for people to hurt. And at the end of all that, white folks that want to be in power, they have to keep their caste system. Mm. Like Josh Howley, Matt Gantz, Jim Jordan, Lindsey Graham, John Kennedy, K 
Kevin McCartney. You have these people still saying, Ted Cruz still saying that they should impeach this guy. They want to look the other way, and their lives were in danger. Mm -hmm. But to keep their caste system intact, that white folks are the top of the caste, Mm. they want to sit there and say, no, it wasn't really that bad. Exactly. And so to impeach him, would say that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they wanted to stop our democracy. And these people in your Senate mm. still want to sit there and go, well, let's just let it go. Let's let's come. To- you didn't want to come together when 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 we when we had Barack at president. Come on. Come on. Come on. You wanted to say my job, Mitch McConnell, is to make sure he's a one-term president. Exactly. And, and stopped every advance that he wanted to make, mm. everything he wanted to pass. And, and so should he be impeached? Yes. But the beauty of it to me is, it's, uh, again, uh, white privilege raises his ugly head in, in, in the face of a caste system, which America is, mm. and the white folks want to still be in charge on top of that caste system. Wow. You know, Lori, Jeff mentioned on previous episodes um, his encounter with uh, Rick Ross. Rick Ross had an album a few years ago called God Forgives, I Don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lori, how, how readily are you ready? I mean, how, how do you feel about letting bygones be bygones? Uh, Jeffrey Keller feels like we should still hold this guy accountable to send a message, Lori. What do you think? I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I'm just glad he's out. Um, I would just as soon say, wash our hands of it and be done with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but he does need to be held accountable. I don't know what consequences there can be with this impeachment. I don't know. um, I I really don't know if anything can happen to him. The man seems to be pretty untouchable, but, and I don't know if it's worth the the taxpayer's money or not. It's not a question of letting bygones be bygones as much as it is. is Is it worth it? Is anything going to come of it? Is it going to make a difference in any way? People know what he is. People know what he's about. People know about his supporters. Um, you know, it's all, it's all really just disgusting. And, and, and when, when I think about that woman who gets to go to Mexico, <laughs> the uh-huh. woman who gets to go to Mexico, uh-huh. the, you know, she, first, she stormed the Capitol and was brazenly proud of it. If this was, a, I mean, black women, remember the black woman who threw a McDonald's cup at somebody's car and ended up in prison for like 10 years or something like yeah. that, the McMissile? I mean, it's like black The McMissile. Some, the <laughs> McMissile, right? Wow. And, she, and I mean, it was crazy. She went to jail for a really long time. And, and yet white people can do these horrible things against the federal government, and, and she, but she can go to Mexico. It's okay. She's not a flight oh. risk. She doesn't have a criminal record. And I just think if this was a black woman, hell no, would she be able to go to Mexico? She would be on house arrest until her trial because she probably couldn't afford, you know, I don't know. I just, it drives me crazy. So bygones being bygones, no. Um, people need to be held accountable for their actions. They need to pay for what they've done. He needs to pay somehow. I don't know how, but, um, you know, oh. I wouldn't mind seeing him go to trial and I wouldn't mind seeing him found guilty. Well, well you know, he loses a lot of the benefits if he's impeached. You know, he, 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 he loses uh, the salary that they get. He loses the transportation that they get. He cannot run for any office. He can't run for dog catcher if he gets impeached again. Um, so he, oh, he, wow. He, well, then heck he yeah, loses, do it. He loses a lot of, a lot of benefits if he's, if he's impeached. Yeah, and my understanding was he's he's impeached 
either way, but he has to be convicted for all that to happen. Right. Right. If he's convicted, he loses all that. Exactly. They need 17 Republicans, though. Now, in the House, they, they, they've been stepping up. I'm going to talk to you all about the House in a second, because the reason why it's so important, uh, I think that woman's name was Rachel something that Lori is talking about. She actually went to the judge after storming the freaking Capitol. She's actually seen on video batter ramming uh, with a big old pole trying to break a window of the Capitol. And she's actually on her bullhorn directing traffic about where to go to go find people's offices. And so she approaches the judge and says, hey, I'd like to go on a retreat with the with the co-workers. You know, I'll come back. Now, if she's not safe enough to be in the Capitol, why do they trust her to leave the country? And what's so bad about it, Lori? She's going to Riviera Maya. That's where I spent my honeymoon. <laughs> right. We I know. I love that there. place. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Don't be going out there soiling. It's beautiful. That they don't want you out there. Anyway, this Mm-mm. is WG, the truth.com's <laughs> program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. I'm just uh, so ecstatic to be talking to uh, Lori Peacock and my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Uh, we're breaking down what's been happening in our politics lately, y'all. So speaking of which, the reason why I like what y'all are saying, and I love the point that Jeff just brought up, uh, his sycophants are still trying to do things in his honor and in, and in his name, even though he's out of office his influence still remains. There's this uh, Congresswoman named Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, She has famously been espousing QAnon uh, conspiracy theories, of course, go where we go one, where we go all, or some crap like that. Uh, Q is this mysterious figure supposedly in the government that's releasing all this information about uh, pedophilic Democrats being devil worshipers and baby eaters and drinking the blood of infants, just really, really sick stuff. And it, and they really, really, truly believe it. And people like the QAnon shaman, as one example, he's trying to plead. Oh, and OK, I'm getting off track now. Jeff, you see this QAnon shaman guy? I do have a question about Marjorie Taylor Greene, but I got dude. Because he wasn't getting organic food in prison, just like, this, just like this woman that Lori's talking about, they they moved him. They they switched prisons, sent him to an organic food serving prison. Talk about privilege. Yeah, they, Talk about look, privilege. Look, look at this is this is my deal with all that. When Black Lives Matters marched and they got arrested, they had to make bail. Mm. These people raid the Senate looking for folks. And they get mm-hmm. released on their own recognizance. This that's mm-hmm. the ultimate white privilege right there. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We march, we gotta make bail. They march, they raid, they become terrorists, insurrection, mm-hmm. and nothing. They they make bail. Right. They don't even have to make right. bail. They just it's just right. What is what did the Black Lives home. Matter people get arrested for? Was it for um, breaking curfew? Or, you know, I mean they did they didn't break they didn't break into a building. They didn't uh, uh, no. deface property, and yet no. they were arrest- arrested, like you said, and had to make bail. Yeah. And these people broke in, destroyed property, stole property, terrorized people, yes. and constantly they're going to slap on the wrist. An insurrection. You tried, yeah. to yes. stop, you tried to stop democracy. You, yep. <laughs> it was a rebellion. Yep. I mean, yeah. Do yep. the people understand how crazy that is? That's very crazy. They had the Confederate flag and Trump flags waving in the Senate. Uh, just, it was just craziness. And anybody, anybody who doesn't realize that there is white privilege after all of this and doesn't realize the major discrepancy 
between black and white and our country and our society and our justice system, they're living in a complete denial and they're completely uh, unable to accept reality because it had been broadcast across every, every news channel there is how terrible the, the inequity is between black and white and, and the white privilege. And so anybody who's still in denial of that dies, I just don't understand it. But again, they're white (laughs) and they don't want to let it go. Look, it, it all it, it all starts with, with with nursery rhymes and fables when we were kids, right? Mm. That's where white privilege starts. I mean, you got you got what Goldilocks and the three bears, right? We know the three bears are really black. She mm. goes into their house, eats their food, sleeps mm. in their bed, Uh-oh. breaks their chair, and nothing happens to her. Wow. Wow. Nothing happens yep. to her. That's white because privilege. Because she has blonde hair and she's white. Exactly. Oh, snap. exactly. It all starts there. People can say what they want, but that's where they start ingraining in people's minds. Well, man, maybe that's where uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene become these sympathetic figures somehow. Like they're now suddenly they're mm-hmm. the model for redemption and suddenly they're redeemable because they stand up and apologize. Marjorie Taylor Greene, ladies and gentlemen, uh, she was just recently stripped of her committee assignment. I don't know how in the heck she was elevated to a committee position for education. But she famously uh, held up a Uzi and posted on her one of her social media platforms that she was uh, the squad's worst nightmare. She had a picture of Ilan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and her standing next to them in a Photoshop photo, of course, with her holding a big Uzi saying uh, the squad's worst nightmare. And so she's doing all this. And she's still espousing that the election was stolen and all these things that Trump supporters love to do with with no support whatsoever. 11 Republicans did stand together with Democrats and rebuke her, including Liz Cheney and people that I would never otherwise agree with. But uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, real quick, because I want to talk to you about since it's Super Bowl weekend, I want to talk to Jeff about Burgess Owens. <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts about Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lori? We've been kind of talking about it a little bit, but what, do you have any thoughts on uh, what's happening with this one? These people have always been around. They just were quiet until Trump. Trump yeah. basically gave people the, the, the voice to spew their racism, to spew their hatred, to spew their negativity. In it, and it make it okay. Yep. And that's why this whole capital thing was okay. These people are, you know, oh, you know, big freaking deal, right? I can't even imagine how it would have gone down if those were black people instead of white people. I can't even imagine what would have happened during that capital situation. And so, you know, and then that, that poster of her with that Uzi and those three women, I, I mean, it's terrifying, you know, and then, and then they wonder why they're afraid. You know, and then there's these zealots, these crazy supporters who have all of these guns, who you don't know what they're capable of doing. And I fear for those women's lives, and I and I, it's it's terrifying. And and I think she should be, she should definitely be stripped of her her committee uh, duties and to put 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 her on an education committee. Oh my crazy. god, that's horrible. Yeah, so crazy because she's so clearly racist. And yeah. there's so many people, so many kids in education that need help and support that are not white. And the money and the funding that we need, you know, a lot of times is going towards these brown and, and black kids. So, mm. oh, my gosh. And, and then for her, you know, for her to be Al Franken resigned for a picture he took, I don't know how many years ago right. of something that he didn't even do that bad. Right. It wasn't right. even that he wasn't touching her. He wasn't doing it. You know, it was just like a little inappropriate. He resigned. 
Democrats resign when they do stupid stuff. Yes. Republicans dig deeper. They double down. They yes. don't apologize. And again, they learned this from their leader, Trump. Yes, they and do. it's it's disgusting to me. So, you know, she, she, she but again, she's a white blonde lady. So mm. it's OK. Right. Yeah. yeah, apparently. Well, Jeffrey Keller, Burgess Owens is a former NFL player. He's uh, a Super Bowl champion and uh, played with the 1980 Oakland Raiders. Uh, he's now a Republican out of uh, uh, Utah. And ironically, uh, Lori's talking about education. They just have struck down the, you know, diversified education uh, instruction there. Uh, they don't want their students out there in certain areas of Utah uh, to be taught black history. Uh, they, they, they just rejected outright. And he represents the fourth district. But, uh, the thing between uh, Burgess Owens and Representative Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Mr. Keller, was hilarious because here comes Burgess Owens after all this stuff that Lori is talking about and that you're talking about. He still comes in and still starts talking about lecturing people about unity. And uh, this is what I'm saying. It's like, how do you unify with somebody like a Burgess Owens? Jeffrey Keller, uh, I know you had a chance to check out what's happening with uh, uh, Burgess uh, Clarence is his first name, but uh, what are your thoughts on Republicans like Burgess Owens and this, 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 this virtue signaling that all of a sudden we need to have bipartisanship and unity and be patriotic? Jeffrey Keller, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, a couple of things. One second with Marjorie Taylor Greene. The, the yeah. sickening part about her being on the education committee was <laughs> she said that, that Parkland did not happen right. at, right. at the school, right? She says Sandy Hook didn't happen. Right. Right. She harassed one of the Parkland survivors. And yep. then you're going to put on education. Now, that's a slap right. in the face to education. Absolutely. Okay. When Stoneman Douglas High School shooting and you're saying it's fake. It, right. it, 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 that's just disgusting to me. So that's how that's how rude these people are. That's that's, yep. you know, they send these subtle messages where it's OK to talk about schools and we're going to put you on it. That's sick. Now, Burgess is a house Negro. Let's be real. He's in the Senate. He's a House Negro. I'll be real with you on this. All right. Uh, he talked about he's from the South and he saw slavery. And yeah, well, then you used to say, yes, Massa. Yes, sir. Because you're from the <laughs> South, Burgess. That's how old you are. And I hope you hear this, Burgess, because you you are an insult. You are you shouldn't be representing black people in anything. Mm. To sit there and say that Kaepernick was wrong for what he did, the NFL was wrong for what they did, taking the knee against unjust shootings against black males and females, and you're saying that is wrong that that athletes should should just just play football and 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 not speak. Okay, yeah. that's back to the slave days. Entertain us, dance for us, tell us jokes, Negro, then go back on the plantation. Well, mm. I'm sorry, but guess what? Us as black people, we are not house Negro. We're no longer on the plantation. We free. Evidently, your mind's not free, but your body is. So guess what, Burgess? Anytime you need to speak on race or unity, you need to shut the hell up because mm. we are not unified as long as the other side does not want to unify. You can say you want to unify, but actions speak louder than words. And your actions right now are saying that you want to, you don't want to be unified. Exactly. And then they wonder why we get so upset. They wonder why we call out their hypocrisy when they're talking about unity now, but they weren't saying all that. Mm -hmm. you know, nope. And they're storming the Capitol. And the day after when people like who Jeff mentioned, like Matt Getz and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, still after all that, after a cop was killed, uh, lost fingers, uh, brain damage and just beat to death, cops committing suicide. 
and they still go in and challenge the election. And they're talking about this impeachment coming up is going to further divide the country. And people like Burgess Owens is lecturing people about how to unify and be black. Jeffrey Keller used to play in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. He knows a little something about professional football. So that ain't cool. That ain't cool at all. Well, uh, y'all got me fired up. I am so glad to have y'all back. Uh, Jeffrey Keller, I know you got the amazing Poacher Hour Power happening every Friday afternoon. What's the latest happening with you, good brother? Anything coming up that we need to know about? Man, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to drop I'm going to drop an album. And, and, and some of the stuff I said today is going to be on that album. And when uh -oh. I drop it, I will let you know. Please do. Please do. Jeffrey Keller making moves for 2021. And I want to send a happy birthday weekend to the amazing Lori Peacocks. Uh, it's it's her give birthday to one of her yeah. beautiful offspring. So a happy birthday to your child, uh, Lori Peacock. And I think I told you off the air today is uh, this is the weekend of my heavenly grandmother's birthday. So they actually share uh, a birthday. So I want to extend a happy motherhood and a Sunday uh, on a Sunday <laughs> and now we're <laughs> on a Monday. Uh, for Lori Peacock and her family. Lori, Jeff, so glad to have y'all back. Will you both come back and join us real soon on Psychotic Bump School? Man, Absolutely. if you have me. Anytime. I sure appreciate you both. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. That was the amazing Lori Peacock and the inimitable Jeffrey Keller. Stay tuned for more. We're right back after this. Bernie Sanders is an important individual, uh, not just because of the influence that he has and the platform that he has, uh, but because he is going to be the uh, Senate Budget Committee Chairman, which is really important because he actually cares about the American people. And to care about the American people and simultaneously be in a position where you can affect change in a meaningful way, we haven't seen this in quite some time, and I'm really looking forward to it. This is Amber Ojeda, and you're listening to Psychotic Bump School with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. He put them low profiles on my car. He tricked me to a petty puss man, a cure. Anything that I ask for from my sponsor, he go and buh buh bye bye a baby blue medallion I just got My feet they speak Italian, walk so high I told you baby thanks a lot My sponsor ego and bye 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 He ain't no square, he just like to share In love with a tip of throwing honeys in the air Throw some over here And Louis drop the Louis, drop the Louis in my lap And all my ladies say The go, go, girl say
with a tip of throwing honeys in the air Throw some over here And Louis drop the Louis, drop the Louis in my lap KCWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. And we're continuing our discussions, ladies and gentlemen. We got this new administration coming in, and there have been some major appointments. And the appointment of Bernie Sanders to lead the uh, the Senate Budget Committee is something that is quite newsworthy. So uh, I wanted to have a couple of policy experts. One has been here fairly recently. One hasn't been here for a long time, so I'm really happy to have her back. So first and foremost, let's welcome, well, let's introduce them both together. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump Score, our good sisters, California delegates, Dina J. Becker, and the good sister, Dallas Fowler. Dina, Dallas, are you there? Greetings. <laughs> What's going on? You know, since they were the, the last time they were both here, uh, the dim misfit black girls had not formed, I don't think, Dina Becker. But subsequent to that time, y'all are definitely putting it down as the dim misfit black girls. How in the world are y'all doing? We're doing okay. I mean, right now, as far as the, the dim misfits goes, we've just been doing like occasional uh, special reports. Okay. We're not doing it on a regular basis right now. Just like when something jumps up in the media that needs, you know, our attention That's that right. we think everyone should be listening to, then we'll speak on it. Okay. Well, this is what I want y'all to speak on because I, I need y'all help with this. Uh, Bernie Sanders has long been uh, associated with the more progressive end of the Democratic uh, Party. He is a uh, avowed independent out of the state of Vermont. Uh, Joe Biden has selected him, uh, you know, at the request of uh, Bernie himself, because he had in mind a different position for him. But since they took the Senate, uh, Bernie is now in charge of the Senate Budget Committee. I want to hear what y'all think about that. I mean, because they've said forever that our budget and our policies uh, speak to our morals more than anything else, because it helps us understand where people's uh, priorities lie. And Bernie has long been associated as being uh, one of the more upstanding members of society to a certain a strand of his supporters. So who wanted to share first about this important appointment of Bernie Sanders leading the Senate Budget Committee? Dina, Dallas, which one are y'all gonna- I, I'll take it, because um, mm -hmm. uh, Dina, Dina's yeah, gonna lead on a lot of other things. But I'll just say this, um, it is, yes, you are absolutely correct, Rome. Uh, budget is a statement of our values. Mm -hmm. And um, we often, uh, are misguided <laughs> and the things that we want to place in terms of what's important for the American people. And right. so I am thrilled that, uh, that the president has honored uh, Senator Sanders' request in terms of serving in that capacity. That is an area that he has always been very strong in for years. Mm -hmm. And he has given um, both Republicans and Democrats, he has called them and taken to the carpet and taken them to task on some of their budgetary uh, priorities. And I think he is going to prioritize the health and welfare of all American citizens and those who are 
in this country. And that's what's really important. First things first in the middle of a pandemic. And I think Bernie has proven throughout his campaigns, his ability to find the money and to create um, non-traditional um, revenues that will support these efforts in terms of looking at um, student debt, mm -hmm. relieving student debt in this country and the impact that that will have on yeah. so many African-Americans and women and people of color. Um, it is gonna be a huge impact in terms of, of our financial freedom for many people. Mm. Um, but also when we talk about obviously Medicare for all, budget and appropriations is going to be a very big part of that conversation and discussion and the power of the budget committee chair. It's a very powerful position to have. And I know that there are many folks on the right that are very upset and alarmed, oh, yes. but I think, I think in, um, I think it's okay. I think it's a good thing. And, and we're going to, see how this navigates. I just want to see how much leeway they will give the chairman mm. in his effort on that committee. Yeah. You know what, uh, Dina, Dallas is not wrong. I saw something on Nikki Haley. She was like, okay, socialism is on the way. Watch out for these big ticket items now that Bernie is leading the Senate Budget Committee. And Democrats are like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> What are your thoughts on Bernie getting this very important, uh, very important appointment? Dina Becker, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I can I can paint an analogy. Remember when we were little and we were sick and we needed that medicine and it was the nastiest taste of medicine in the world. Okay. But we had to be force fed that medicine, but it made us feel better. Mm. And oh. <laughs> this is kind of like that same kind of situation. Wow. Um, Everything that Bernie has put forth in this um, new bill that is passed is exactly the medicine that we need right now, which wasn't being addressed by the Republicans. Um, you know, they are that the bill that isn't in place. Which, which bill is that again? Um, that's the the new uh, bill for the um, the oh goodness the stimulus bill. Stimulus bill. Okay, got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stimulus. Yes. And so, um, you know, if we backtrack, you know, we were in a very bad situation and we have been in a very bad situation for a while. And what did the Republicans do with that uh, reconciliation power? They passed a bill where 83 percent of the money in the bill only went to the top one percent. Mm -hmm. So now all we're doing is basically just seeing the reverse of that. Yeah. So it, it's leveling the field for people who really need it. Absolutely. Uh, it's an attempt, shall we say. Yes, yeah, an attempt, mm -hmm. yes. Well, Dallas was yeah. talking about uh, what it could mean, Dina, in terms of if we did cancel debt. That I mean, just think about all the student loan debt. that we, I mean, I know I got mine. But oh, I imagine, you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's imagine if we could chip away some of that, how people could more readily move into the, the quote unquote middle class, if that even exists anymore. Uh, qualify for other stuff so that they can uh, have a, a livelihood of dignity that's worthy of the sacrifice and pain, blood, sweat, and tears they put into their higher education, you know? So what about the $15 minimum wage part too, Adina, before I go back to Dallas? Um, 
what can you can you speak to that a little bit how how entrenched into uh this uh the, with along with the stimulus checks is that part of the same bill the the $15 minimum yeah. wage yeah the $15 minimum wage um you know, a lot of people are up in arms about that because they're of their fear of the effects it will have on small business business owners. But the bill also includes a big chunk of money that's set aside for small business owners to, you know, counteract that increase. Mm. So small business owners specifically will be able to get help with this bill. Well, even if you look at this past cycle in 2020, small businesses were granted a host of grants and loans. And while I don't uh, think that they have been fully and fairly compensated for what's happened through this, during this crisis, I do believe that we have got to get to a federal minimum wage of $15 because in states like Georgia, Florida, um, throughout the South and, 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 and central states, they are, happy to give you the federal minimum wage that is what you're going to get for most women black women of co- women of color that is what we are looking at and so it's really critical now how they do it i'm sure it's going to be on a scaling factor and when it actually when we actually achieve it is the question because the devil's in the details right they may be saying oh yes we passed 15 dollars well we passed the 15 dollar minimum wage in here in the city of Los Angeles over five years ago, we still are not at a $15 minimum wage. So we have to go back and look at what scale was specifically set forth in that bill. Right now we're at what, $7, 50 cents or something like that. So they're not just gonna jump to $15 tomorrow, right? That mm-hmm. means that there's going to be a time frame. So maybe by the end of this year, we're at eight, nine, 10, somewhere around there, and then the following year and so on and so forth. So we actually have to look at that and get to the bottom of, um, I don't have that answer for you today, but we have to come back around on that um, discussion and really get to the details as to when we achieve $15. And isn't that the big question in terms of uh, not only that Dallas, but even the the Medicare for all, which is, is a separate conversation, but when you speak about the devil in the details, he's also talking about uh, lowering the military budget as well. I mean, all those things that I think uh, the more progressive wing would be in favor of, that they were worried that Joe Biden would alienate once he and Harris came in. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, how do progressives feel about all of this? I mean, I mean, we're talking about it, but, and, and I'm gonna hone in even further y'all because I've learned so much from having y'all on the show and Dina's been here uh, a few times in 2020, um, I've noticed a clear distinction between white progressives and sisters who do progressive progressive things. And so- Well, isn't there always a clear distinction between anybody and sisters, really? Well, well, go ahead and take that, Dina, because I think you you kind of feel where I'm leading here. Um, How do sisters feel about this? I mean, look at what y'all just did in Georgia. And Detroit, I mean, that was just grassroots, knocking on doors, mobilizing voters. And because of that effort, the, not only was the state flipped in Georgia, but the Senate flipped too. And that's the reason why Bernie is on this committee because Joe right. was actually signaling him for a different appointment, right? But because he didn't want to give up that seat because the Republican governor would have had to 
you know, call for a special election, they likely would lose that, that seat. And so, okay, so Dina, how do the sisters feel about this? Break it down for me, please. Well, yeah, and, I was gonna say, Rome, you started with yeah. one end and ended at yeah. the other. That was yeah. a lot right there. <laughs> that was a lot because uh, we you first brought up Medicare for all and that's actually what I was about to speak on. Right. Um, we, we did not get Medicare for all in this, this recent bill, but we did get uh, steps that could lead us to that. Um, they're gonna be expanding Medicare and they're also putting in money to uh, establish community health centers in underserved communities. And I thought this uh, portion was pretty interesting that they're talking about student loan forgiveness for doctors and nurses that practice in underserved communities. Yes, And that's one of the big issues that a lot of our communities have is that uh, hospitals and medical centers are just closing left and right. And if they're not there, then the, ch the, the care isn't there. Mm. And I think that will encourage people to come back and work in these communities yeah. and keep us healthy, you know, because without health, we don't have anything. Yeah. yeah. And education, um, it's title one in education. I wonder what it's called for hospitals and uh, doctors and uh, nurses. Well, I'm not sure, but um, when you, speaking of Medicare for all, yes. that is a single payer effort is, a huge single payer effort is kicking off here um, again uh, in California and we're starting to see a lot more movement from the legislature because they were practically crucified when they did not come up with a comprehensive bill um, back in, I believe that was 2018 with the SB 562. And now you're seeing, now we have a speaker that is um, moving towards, he's changed his tune and he is now moving towards putting forth a single payer bill um, this cycle um, this year. So we're looking forward to that here, doing our work here. And I think other states are starting or have, some states have already been past it, but we are getting there. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bum School. I'm DJ Rome. That was our good sister, Dallas Fowler. And we're also joined by Dina J. Becker. You said a lot there. You talk about me saying a lot in one question, but you, can I go back to uh, Medicare for all for a second? Dina, Dallas, either one of you can take it. I'm wondering, <laughs> was she alluding, Dina, was she alluding to Anthony Rendon being out? Because we're all in California and we know well, that there was a close call. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if it was a close call, but there was a bill that almost could have yeah. passed. Rendon was the, the deciding vote that kept us from getting Medicare for all. No, he, they shelved the bill in a committee. They, they. Okay. But that's he, what bills go to die though, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the com it, it died in committee. Yeah. And, and he, he said it was woefully incomplete. And when I went and read it, I recognized that it was a little bit incomplete and it did need some things, which further said to me that bill was more of a show act for certain electeds to campaign on because it looked good and it sounded good and then they were like yeah but we don't really want to do it so then we're going to like let you be the bad guy and shelve the bill so, okay. and so i'm so glad that's what that. i'm so glad you're saying that and i appreciate that transparency i i didn't know that but i suspect it is the same thing with this uh what what they do with Gavin Newsom if he doesn't approve of something I mean what first draft of any bill is approved like on the merits of its being the first draft isn't it always critiqued and uh 
broken down and sent back for revisions for a later opportunity to bring it forward again? Isn't isn't that how it works? What what first draft ever always goes through? That's what I, I mean. That's a rhetorical, but I'm just wondering why did it? Well, I think it's always the intent of the of the policy, and and the impact of the policy. So hmm. if people disagree, folks disagree or think this isn't the best tactic to take to solve, bring resolve to whatever that issue is. Okay. You, you always have pushback and debate, and that's that's a part of that's you know part. our process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, um, this is shaping up to be a, a bit of a dream team. You know, Joe Biden, when he came in, uh, Dina in Dallas, he said he wanted a cabinet and an administration that reflected uh, America. And I have to say, I mean, he's really well, I'm not going to I want to ask y'all, how well <laughs> is he working toward that? I mean, we have Deb Holland as uh, secretary of the interior. I mean, he has had some really, really. Uh, bold uh, cabinet picks, including what's the, the UN ambassador, Linda Greenfield. What I can't remember her name, but Greenfield. Uh, Cory Booker just had to recently stand up for her because uh, Ted Cruz was trying to give her the business about her credentials and a speech she made at an HBCU. It's like, Cruz, shut up. But <laughs> how well, I'm going to ask you, Dina, how well is Joe Biden doing with uh, shaping his administration to look like what the fabric of America looks like? Well, I, I do think that the cabinet definitely does look like America. Um, <laughs> but for me, you know, it's the devil is in the details um, because, you know, not all skin folk are, are kin folk. And it depends on what these people actually do mm. to help the, the American people and in particular the Black community to me. You know? And right now, it's, I think we're at a wait and see. Yeah, and that's okay too, right? Because I'm I'm all for check and verify just because Kamala's from California, where we're from. I mean, it's still trust but verified for, mm-hmm. for sure. They're not gonna get a free pass. But I feel like I'd be more comfortable if they try and miss compared to the previous administration because I know that their priorities are completely different. And well, the previous administration didn't even try. Exactly. I mean, look look at the cabinet. Exactly. The previous administration. It did not resemble America at all. Exactly. Just one portion of America that commonly is represented. Yeah, which brings me back to my question I was kind of tongue-in-cheek asking. um, For those that don't trust either party, and I get that. Mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people. There are a lot of people, but aren't there some clear, distinct differences? I mean, even if you don't trust both parties, isn't there aren't there some clear markers and benchmarks that indicate how these two different parties uh, function and operate and who they function and operate on behalf of? I know neither one of them is perfect, but ladies, aren't there some clear distinctions? I believe that most people are able to, if you are an independent thinker Mm -hmm. and you trust, but verify and you fact check and you go and you look, and you do your own homework and due diligence, right. you're going to have a different perspective. You're going to have a more independent perspective. Right. But if you are, I don't always want to look and look and do my own homework. I kind of want to copy off of somebody else's. I go with the person I trust, be it a relative or somebody who I know is engaged and, and pays attention. And that's kind of how that sphere of influence um, kind of t- t- starts to funnel. Um, but we 
have some differences, but I think at this point in time with the actions that took place on January 6th, there is no doubt in a several Americans' minds, including many who are registered Republican at this time, mm-hmm. that they are over and out of bounds. And the actions that were taken and the collusion that took place from folks within and inside that Capitol mm-hmm. is going to come to light. I have no doubt that our Speaker Pelosi and folks like Congresswoman Maxine Waters and Karen Bass and yes. um, uh, James Clyburn, some of those folks in leadership are doing everything to ensure that there is a thorough investigation um, mm. that that takes place and that people are held accountable. Yeah. Um, they're starting with the president who led the charge, who right. who, who who called the charge right. for those folks to assemble in front of the White House and then sent them off mm. to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Okay, to take the Capitol, okay, mm-hmm. with battering rams. Yep. And um, uh, this was a battle essentially that took place, um, yep. and and it was a it was an attack as far as I'm concerned, yep. and lives were defended and lives were lost. Mm-hmm. So when you have something like that, and, and we're literally living this moment in history where they haven't even fully they've called it the insurrection right but i mean this is more than an insurrection this was this was a battle wow um it was a moment that was an act of war those are acts of war Mm. you come in saying we are going to hang the vice president and we have a lynching board outside Mm. okay we've got a gallo outside set up and and we are bamming and entering our way we have forced our way into the chambers that is those are acts of war okay they beat people to death people were beaten to death those are the acts of war with a flagpole with the american flag attached to it right exactly and they ran up with their flag. What is, what was the flag they ran up with? The Trump flag, Trump right? Flag. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So it wasn't about the United States. Mm. It wasn't mm. about protecting the Republic. Come on. It was about protecting yourselves, your guy, and your pockets. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you. So everyone, you know, needs to be held to the fullest extent of the law as it results in that. And I know there's still many who believe that this election was stolen. Well, there are several elections that we believe that were stolen by Republicans over the years. Come on. Uh, George Bush would have never had an eight-year run. Thank you. Okay. Let's be clear. Come on. Speak on it. Speak on it. Well, I'm so glad we're on the other side of it. And it's a tradition that uh, the sitting president uh, gives a state of the union, I think, within the first 100 100 days of being in office. We're only at 20 days right now. But I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of looking forward to this first 100 days because who sits behind the president as he's given his address are who? His vice president and the speaker of the house. So can you imagine imagine what that's going to look like? Because the speaker (laughs) of the house is none other than who? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. And Thank now, you. and then we'll have Kamala. We'll have two 
California women. Look at that. Oh, I didn't yes. even see that. Oh, snap. come on. Now. Come on. Women, yes. Come on. Yeah, I have to give that as a testament, not only to a Kamala Harris, that is a testament to a Nancy Pelosi one. Yes. So, and I think that might, I don't know, that might be some backlash on that in a little bit. But, but I think Nancy is on her. Y'all don't hate, don't hate. Don't hate. Yeah. Don't hate. Don't hate. Because one thing I can say about Speaker Pelosi and her daughter, who I'm good friends with, Christine Pelosi, yes. they have always propelled Black women in this party. Always. Even as delegates, women running to be chair of the party, mm -hmm. uh, secretary, speakers, even within our California Democratic Party structure, even within the Democratic National uh, Party structure, mm -hmm. I have to give them their props for that. And um, that will be a testament on when we have our first uh, State of the Union. It will be very, very glorious to see that. Man, glorious. This is protected by the women out of California. Well, uh, ladies, thank you for joining us. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, Dina Becker has always got a little secret on the tail end, just when I'm closing things down and saying goodbye to everybody. And then <laughs> Dina says, oh, wait, but I wanted to, but, but, but I'm doing this and I'm doing this. So Dina <laughs> Becker, I'm, I'm remembering again what you got coming up. What can we support? I'm, you're, aren't you running for your seat again or something like that? Don't you have that? I am. We See? just had delegate elections and we actually find out tomorrow oh, whether sad. or not uh, we won or not. And this time I did something a little different and I ran for an executive board member. And um, they did change the rules on us this year. It used mm -hmm. to be that whoever was running for executive board and got the most votes, that's who became the executive board uh, uh, representative, but now they change the rules to whoever gets the most votes overall in okay. the district as a delegate running gets the mm. option of first refusal. So we'll see, we'll find out tomorrow. Okay, so by the time this airs, we'll, we'll probably know, but uh, definitely keep us posted on that. Uh, real quick, is that anything, that's not like ranked choice voting. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't wanna go into another discussion about ranked choice. No, that's no, not it's not ranked right? choice. Okay, okay, just, just check in. And uh, thank you, Dina. We'll support you on that. Dallas, what you got coming up? I just want to, I know you've called us delegates, and I have been a delegate for many years to the California Democratic Party and uh, for the past two Democratic National Conventions. Um, I was delegate to those conventions. However, I am no longer a delegate to the California Democratic Party. <laughs> okay, um, and I, I didn't run, but I'm so excited for Dina and I've definitely fully supported her and her effort. And I hope that she is one of our new e-board members, but I am going to be um, uh, running in a special election uh, for the California State Assembly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, when I am elected, I oh. will... I have to just, you know, operate in the in that. But when I am elected, I will have delegates. I will be able to appoint Ooh. delegates to the Democratic Party. So thank you, Dina Becker and Dallas Fowler. This is KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Stay tuned for more, y'all. We'll be right back after this. Y'all don't know about here. This is next single. What up, y'all? It's your boy DJ Mall Ski. And you live listening right now to the Psychotic Bump School.
with your host, DJ Rome, on KCWG, thetruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Soon come, you will understand The motivation of a man getting the underhand A local yokel on a mission to get global uh, Letting my vocals amass to some total And keep the point focal You hear me, but you don't listen You think it's easy being put in this position I freak speech, but still don't want to preach Just peak thought and stimulate movement out of the seats Grab your cat, hit the streets That's the rally, cry the war horn The occupants, some cats are spiritually war-torn Environment, so I'm leading a community movement And I don't need money for me to make a community improvement tell me what you stand for will you settle for less or do you have the strength to demand more only time will tell what this new world brings revolutions in order check the mood swing 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 no like sweet chariot what i say make my voice deep as berries get carry it like a torch Give birth to rhymes to meet beast and I marry you more. Have a divorce if the track is whack. Please. My rhymes are rolling stone. Home is where the hi hat is at. It's on its own. Maybe one day it'll settle down. It ain't no good. It's all better now. Come on, let it Come on, now. swing. Changing the way we do things. It's a good thing. Listen to the old hood singers. They go. Talking gentle, hit the hotel, the presidential Sweet, kisses on the temple, make it feel special Light a candle, send goddess in the sentimental Move this right with the light just so I can see Begin to set the pace for what we don't get into My fingers is lyrics, and back is the instrumental Ancient secrets, Indian, Oriental Blacking out, doing shit I can't rap about Passing out, waking up, not awake Awake enough to take it up and not stop Lovers and friends never know if we can love again I said we gotta leave, she asked if she could come again I had to meet Asheru at the studio I'm running late, you know I hate to make a nigga wait But damn baby, you look good in the summertime Give me some of yours, I'ma give you some of mine Yo Kwali, I remember being in the same dilemma Hip hop was number one, my girl was number one contender The great pretender with a whole different agenda until I make it big, life is one long gig Swing, like Ella or Coltrane It's classic like Soul Train The timeless, just like this rhyme is So all of y'all, bandwagon the campaign Grab a hold of that moose swing And do the damn thing Moose swing, changing the way we do things It's a good thing Listen to the whole world sing as they go Yeah, as they go You can't run to every new thing Under the sun, you be a jack of all trades And a master of none Hey, we are back. KCWG, the truth.com's program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. And ladies and gentlemen, what has taken Netflix by storm as of late is a brand new uh, direct-to-streaming service release entitled Malcolm and Marie. It stars John David Washington and, of course, the amazing Zendaya out of uh, Oakland, California. And it's the story of a filmmaker who... returning home after an event and he's awaiting the uh, results of feedback from his film. And it's, it's an, it's an incredible film. Oh my God. I mean, I watched this film y'all. I saw how it was trending uh, when it was released and people were just talking about it and they were just raving about the performances in this film. 
it, it's a very uh, modest set, but they did so much with it. I'm going to shut up and introduce you to these two wonderfully talented people that we have to discuss this film, Malcolm and Marie, y'all, available now on Netflix. Returning for the first time in 2021, our good sister, when I met her, she was in New Orleans, I think, and since that time, she's done films and out of the country, I think in France, and now she's landed herself in Atlanta. She's all over the place, y'all. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Julia Jackson. Miss Jackson, are you there? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That was my dog. Yeah. So was dog. Wow. That, that was so on point. What's your dog's name? <laughs> His name is Buddy. Uh, he's a terrier, and I should probably put him in my closet so he can stop barking. But oh, um, <laughs> black, 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 black. I'm black. Black. I'm black. Like Buddy. I'm black. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like that. <laughs> oh, but nice. it is great to be. So good to have you back. Thank you for yeah. joining us. And of course. Uh, this good sister is uh, the filmmaker who brought us Soulful Steps. Uh, she's in Southern California currently by way of Flint, Michigan, by way of the Bay. She's another sister that has a, a, a bit of a migratory history, but she's uh, right in Southern California as we speak, ladies and gentlemen. So also welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, our good sister, Jamie Burton Orr. Miss Orr, are you there? I am here, Rome, and I'm so happy to be here as always. Um, thank oh, you for having me. Boy. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. It's always a joy. I don't think I've had you on with Julia before. So I'm going to let y'all two ladies break this one down. There was so much in this film and I want to get straight to it. Jamie Burton Orr, tell me your thoughts on this film, Malcolm and Marie. Okay. Um, so you're not going to like this, Rome, but I didn't like the film. Break it down. Um, <clears throat> so when I saw the, first of all, I didn't, you know, I don't pay attention to reviews. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, 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 if you try to talk to me about a film I want to see, I'm going to shut you down um, because I don't want to be impacted by anything other than my true experience when I actually watch the film. So that was true in this case. To be honest, I knew Zendaya was working on a film. I didn't know the title. I didn't know anything about Malcolm and Marie. When you called me literally the first thing I thought about because it's Black History Month was Malcolm X. And right. so that's all that was in my head when I started watching it. So the opening uh, shot, uh, the, the, the black and white, the home, all of that was gorgeous. Right. I, I definitely appreciate um, the cinematography for the most part throughout the film. Um, and I was waiting and wanting to be moved um, especially when they drop Coltrane, you can't really drop that song uh, and, and take me, you know, for, for my generation, that takes me straight to Love Jones. So uh -huh. you can't really bring that up and not bring me some heat or fire. I was, okay. that set me up and I was waiting for something to happen. Uh, and then I realized this was going to be a film that was more like a play. And I adjusted myself accordingly. Um, but there's also powerful films that are based on plays coming to the screen that are killing it like Fences for me. Um, yeah. Even I'll go back to Bozeman and Lena with um, Danny Glover and Angela Bassett. That's a two person film. Um, 
And then I can also, you know, I was ready for wherever it was going to take me, but this journey didn't happen for me. I just got a series of diatribes and mm. monologues and perspectives. Mm-hmm. And that's okay if I'm watching a talk show, but I wasn't watching a talk show. I was watching a movie. And for me, yeah. it, it got boring. Um, mm-hmm. and, I was, and I was trying to tap into what was being said and if that was going to trigger something in me. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard it. I understood it. But, you know, it, it lacked a lot of things for, for me to enjoy it. I appreciate that. Um, I want to find out what it was lacking exactly when we get back to you in a second. Let's see if Julia Jackson's ready. We had some microphone issues with you before, but Julia Jackson, you just heard from Jamie Burden or what were your thoughts on the Malcolm and Marie film now available on Netflix? Julia Jackson. Yeah. Can you, can y'all hear me now? Yeah, we're good. Yes. Now. yes. <laughs> okay, great. Great. Yeah. Like Jamie said, I didn't really read any reviews. I tend not to do that either. I honestly don't even think I watched the trailer. I might've clicked on it for 10 seconds and kind of exited out. So I came in watching the film, not really knowing anything else besides kind of like the short premise of the movie. Um, and kind of just like with my background and, and how I, I tend to look towards the editing a lot more into how I was shot. I definitely appreciated that element. Um, it kind of, gave me uh, a feel of like some of the older uh, films uh, filmed in Rome and just kind of that nuance to it. Um, so I like that aspect. I like the way it was shot. I like some of their stylistic choices, but kind of like Jamie, the, the script itself wasn't really my favorite. Um, I'd probably have to watch it a couple more times and like each time kind of focus on different elements. I do think the performances themselves were pretty strong. Um, but for me, yeah, the the writing, I just wasn't able to relate to it as as much as I was able to with maybe some other other films. Absolutely. You know, when Jamie was speaking, Julia, and she mentioned that this felt like a play and before she said, uh, Fences. I was thinking fences because his father was in fences with uh, Viola. Wait, is Viola? Yes, yes, yes. yes. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was like, man, those those take a depth of acting that's really different than a movie, right? And um, so, what was it for you, Julia? What was this film lacking in terms of the writing? Because Jamie kind of alluded to that as well. What were your thoughts on that? What was what was it that made it hard for you to connect to? I don't think it's so much what it was lacking. I think for me, it was more of the material mm-hmm. of uh, and just like the the whole film was just them arguing and I you know I know that was the yeah. point of it but for me I just wasn't able to relate some of the things that they were saying or just the anger between both of them I understood kind of where it was coming from mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think for me, I, I just wasn't able to just grasp on to just the content of what was being said in, in a way. And I know you guys like mentioned Fences and I honestly, I, I, I love Fences as a play, but for me as a movie, <laughs> I didn't relate to it as much either. I think I, I love Fences as, as a play, but when I'm thinking of, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, One Night in Miami, you know, that was based off of uh, a play. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, I enjoyed that one a little bit more. I think for me, mm. someone that, you know, that has the theater degree and has seen a lot of these plays like just in the theater, 
I feel like it's hard to articulate that or transfer it to a film. Mm-hmm. And I think like with this one, one, because it was filmed, you know, during COVID times and they were intentional about it kind of being in that setting. It, it worked a little bit better for me than some of the other adaptations of plays to films. But, um, but yeah, sorry, I'm going off topic, but oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, it, it was more of just the content of what was being said than anything else. Absolutely. You know, uh, Jamie, uh, when you go see the Denzel Washington, I mean, I know we're talking about his son, John David Washington, but I was thinking uh, when you go see one of his films, you, you got to be prepared to think a lot because it's not going to be just a straightforward anything. And this film, uh, it, what I saw trending about the film was the depth of the acting, like um, Julia just alluded to. People were generally uh, happy with the performances. And, uh, but just as a piece of writing, uh, you're a writer, Jamie. Um, what were some of the elements that were, that didn't resonate with you in terms of the content, the, the, it was really essentially, like Julia said, just one long argument and discussion. <laughs> and so uh, what creative uh, element could have been infused into the, uh, the script writing to sort of maybe break up the monotony or change the trajectory of the story? Jamie Burton-Orr, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, well, I just want to correct myself earlier. I'm, um, that was sent, uh, Sentimental Move with Duke Ellington, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. That's what I wanted to correct myself about that. And I then, thought that's what you meant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I start. I started. I'm still an actor, and I started as an actor, and that's my first love. So I got to touch on that too. But I'm going to answer your question about writing. Okay. Um. So, to be quite honest, there could have been a plot. There was no plot. Mm. So, so there was. You know, the only thing that happened is that. Um, he we found out that he didn't say thank you at the acceptance of this award and yeah. everything else was a conversation going back to that you mm-hmm. know throughout the film all the way to the end that was and and i guess one could say that is the plot but it wasn't um the stakes weren't high right uh, so the, the there were no stakes there was no you know, possibly, you know, she could leave, you know, I guess at one point when she walked out and didn't, he didn't know where she was, the question would become, did she go? But to be quite honest, I didn't care. I had no emotional investment in either character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so going into the acting, I totally disagree. I'm a, I love John David's work. uh, A lot of his work that I've seen him in, I I like his acting. Yeah, he's, I mean, Tenet, you know, uh, all of, I've seen, you know, um, the HBO project he did with uh, The the Rock. I saw a couple Mm. episodes of that. Okay. But, um, and Zendaya, you know, I like her as uh, her political consciousness and her awareness, more of her persona, and I'm learning her as an actress, uh, but... You know, like I, you know, she respectfully declined a couple roles based off of, I think it was Black Panther. Um, mm. She felt like it wasn't appropriate for somebody uh, like her, like myself, to be in that film at this moment in time. And I, I love that she, she's not avoiding the colorism issue and our responsibility, uh, all Black folks' responsibility in that area. Um, however, 
I was the acting, I mean, you know, I don't really blame the actors in this instance. They really didn't have a lot to, to you know, you could yell, you could play levels, you could, you could not yell, you could, you mm -hmm. could, but emotionally, I don't, you know, I think, so this idea of, of Zendaya connecting to this character who was a drug addict, okay, yeah, you, that takes a lot of work to connect there. And to be quite honest, the role itself reads for it to be believable. It, mm. The character to me should have been older, mm. uh, but there's not, there's not, to be honest, that's, that's peripheral. Like the, mm. the root of the problem for me, um, I agree with Jalea, is in the writing. Wow. Um, it was a rant, you know, like, and I, and I don't, I mean, that's cool. You gotta, you want, got something to say, you say it, you know, you get it off your chest, you express your art. It's very difficult sometimes for me to critique art because I'm an artist. So I have to step into another space because I understand what it takes to make a movie to, to all of that. And I don't like to disregard where people are, but just to be point blank, Frank, uh-huh. It felt like some two white people to me. That was that didn't feel I wasn't connected culturally to that conversation. You know, uh Jamie, you're down in Southern California. Our good brother Hannibal Taboo. Uh he's mm -hmm. a comic book writer and a filmmaker himself. And he taught me a technique on this show called lampshading. And uh it, it's when the writer knows he's being when the writer knows he's kind of going over the edge, but he kind of in theater, he's it's kind of like the the actor like turning to the audience and kind of winking. It's like, I know this is some bull crap or I know this is a bit much, but come along for the ride anyway. Uh, if there was an element that they could have lampshaded in Malcolm and Marie, uh, given the, the filmmaking aspect of this where they did it during coronavirus and Julia alluding to the, you know, the things that can occur that can shape the creative process. If they had lampshaded any aspects of Malcolm and Marie, do you think it would have made any difference whatsoever in in your appreciation of the the, the content of the film maybe no <laughs> because because the only the only um lampshading that really could have occurred i think mm. is when he was speaking about the critic because we mm. all know now in retrospect because i i read the reviews afterwards too and i okay. basically what i do i watch the film I didn't know who wrote or directed this. I watched the credits at the end. I saw the name, I Googled the name and I found out quickly that this, this guy was the son of Barry Levinson who did Rain Man. Uh -huh. I was like, okay, okay. And, um, and I looked at his mother as well. And, you know, I didn't know about his drug history. It felt like a conversation, like I said, between two white folks. And not that they could, it wasn't human uh, issues in it, but I'm talking about the culture, the colors, the way the language was presented, uh, you know, and even the way they cursed, you know, there's that, I don't really yeah. know. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to a monolithic type of black people. We're not right. monolithic. So that's not what I'm speaking to. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, um, if you're going to write these characters and you, and, and you want, people to buy in, you have to deal with this issue of authenticity, which is what mm -hmm. he did in the, in the film. The writer oh. tells us, right. he doesn't, you know, fuck authenticity. Mm -hmm. 
That's what he's saying. And that, and it shows, but guess what? If you take that approach, then you risk the disconnect, you know, from a person like me who wants to believe, who wants to be in this story, who wants to participate. I had no dog in the fight. I came in uh, like, oh shoot. I see, you know, two black folks on screen, one that looks like me. I'm about, I'm right, you know, let me get my visceral experience off. And then you, you, you give the, the, the appearance mm. that is going to be something like that. Like you use the actors you use, you use the music you use, you put all the colors on it wow. that have, uh, and you talk about black things. Uh -huh. So you've given me all the, 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 the exterior that, that I'm about to have this experience and it's not there. Wow. It's no, no soul in the movie at all for me. Wow. So that's what you risk. So as far as going back to lampshading, uh, when we got, when I got to after the movie and then I saw the, cri the critics uh, commentary, which, you know, one could argue, oh, they're going to say bad things because he was coming at critics. But when I looked at the read some of the articles, I was like, they're pretty much dead on. I can't because I'm I don't again, I don't go by critics, but I right. wanted to know, like, am I missing something? Mm -hmm. And um, they were dead on. And I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, that's the the gamble you take. Um, mm -hmm. he, he 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 got he said what he said. And mm -hmm. now we're dissecting what he said. And, you know, I, it didn't it didn't. I don't want to watch the movie again. I, I'm not going to watch this right. every every year like I watch Love Jones two and three times a year. It's just not well, that. I don't know what his goal was. but it, 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 yeah. it sounds like this movie got all dressed up and you were all prepared to be taken out to dinner and then flop. It didn't, you know, the, the date didn't show up or something, but it was a, it sounded like it was a letdown. Because like you said, you hear the Duke Ellington, you hear the James Brown at the beginning. It's like, oh, it's about to be on and popping. And then it just kind of falls flat. I hear you. I'm, I'm I love flat. what you said, Rome. I got stood up. I got stood up. That's, that's what so, I would title my review. I got stood up. I got stood up. Okay. Because Julia, this is, y'all are like the second uh, film that I've uh, reviewed on the show in recent weeks. Uh, like I said, Hannibal was here before, but he was here doing Wonder Woman uh, part two. And it was the same thing. It's like, what just happened? I can't get that two and a half hours back. <laughs> and so I was kind of hoping for a little bit of a get back with this one, but maybe I should have brought y'all on for one night in Miami because I did hear really good things about it, Julia. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and check that out now. But uh, this is KCWG, the truth.com's program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. We're talking to the good sisters and filmmakers, Julia Jackson, currently out of Atlanta, Georgia, and our good sister, Jamie Burton Orr, filmmaker out of Southern California. Well, I can't thank y'all enough for being here. Thank you for helping us to uh, break this down and uh, analyze it from a true uh, couple of filmmakers' perspectives. And I respect uh, both of y'all's opinions because you, you the added weight that y'all bring to critiquing. And again, Jamie, I, I agree because it's like even in the field of work that I'm in, I try to not pre, I, I try not to analyze or overthink someone else's work. You know what I mean? Because I know yeah. what goes into it. So if I wasn't there, I try to give them grace and to allow yes. what might appear to be mistakes to me, it may have made sense to them as they were doing it. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. And it does put one into a precarious position when you critique someone else's art. But you all, you both gave us some things to really think about with this film. And uh, it helps to read the background. I mean, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I didn't, I, I saw Barry Levinson, 
uh, Jamie Bird nor, but I, I never saw, <laughs> I hate to admit, I never even saw Rain Man. So I didn't even make the connection with that and this film. Uh-huh. And it, it matters. It, it really does matter. So thank you for educating us, both of you. Uh, before we let y'all go, can you talk to us about projects you have coming up? Uh, Julia Jackson just won an award, uh, Jamie Burton Orr, so I definitely want her to talk about that for a second. Julia Jackson, congratulations, uh, congratulations on your Sundance Award. Uh, what can you tell us about the latest coming up for you and about this award you just got? Yeah, uh, thank you. That was a great experience. Um, but yeah, it was for the film that we shot in, in France, uh, Ma Belle, My Beauty. Uh, and I was able to, to be the assistant editor and the DIT for, for that project. Uh, we won the audience uh, award next, uh, that award. Next. So yeah, great. <laughs> I know that's right. Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm definitely blessed. Uh, let's see, what else is up for me? Um, so trying to get into the scene um, in Atlanta. You know, of course, it's a little difficult with, with COVID, but um, I, I currently work as a video producer now for um, a church, which I'm very thankful for. Um, okay. Working on, um, as an assistant editor for a Hulu doc, can't say too much because I had to sign an NDA, but oh. I'm, working, I'm working on that. Um, and I'm right now I'm currently working on a project with the Museum of Modern Arts, doing a collective piece, uh, compiling uh, previously shot videos from from new filmmakers and putting it together for an exhibit. That'll be yeah. March 18th. So those are kind of the, the projects that I'm working on right now. Absolutely. It is so exciting to see your career blossoming. I mean, Thank you're, you. you're doing it. You're, you're making it do what it do. And you're taking it all over the world with your talents that are just blossoming right now. Thank you, Julia Jackson. Ms. Jamie Burton-Orr, uh, my good sister, uh, what's happening with you? Tell us uh, what's coming up for you and uh, how we can keep in touch with you. Oh, thank you. And congratulations, Jalea. Um, yes. I would, I would like to, uh, first of all, thank you, Rome. It's always have an incredible time with you thank on you. here. So I'm always honored to be here. Um, so you can follow me uh, on social media at Soulful Steps JJ. Um, that's going to be like the best place to, to kind of find out what I'm up to. But right now I'm working on my second documentary feature. Mm. Um, I, it's dealing with something at home in Flint, Michigan, and it's uh, but not what you think. And uh, I'm super excited about it. Um, it's going to take up my entire year. Oh, wow. um, simultaneously, um, I consult on other people's uh, films. I'm a script consultant. Um, and that has segued me into writing a lot. Um, so I have a, a feature I wrote during quarantine uh, and the producer is getting a lot of buzz off of it now. So that's coming. And uh, I'm just trying to manage my time <laughs> and, and and live life. I, I uh, go hiking every Saturday and I'm super proud of that. So Nice. Those are a few of the things I'm working on right now. And uh, can I just say one thing? I just want, I, I have to say this. I want to dedicate the relationship in this show today that I have with you, Rome, to our good brother, Al Jackson, who yes. uh, scored my film, Soulful Steps. Uh, again, you can go to soulfulstepsjj.com to check it out. But he, um, I still got him on my mind. And so that's Absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Same here. 
Same here. I know you do. I know you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's always here. Well, thank you for saying that. I really appreciate your kind words. Uh, Julia, I didn't give you a chance. Uh, how do people follow you and uh, follow your work? What's the best contact? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Julia Jackson. And then my website is juliajackson.com. Well, that's our show, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know we're here every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. Also want to thank our guests for the evening, Lori Peacock, Dina Becker, Dallas Fowler, Jeffrey Keller, Jamie Burton, or and Jalea Jackson. Also want to send a special acknowledgement to the late and great Leon Spinks, former heavyweight champion, passed away very, very recently, ladies and gentlemen. The last person to beat Muhammad Ali in the ring. That's right, Leon Spinks has made his transition, y'all. So may he rest in peace. We also just recently celebrated the birthday of beat-making sensation and legend out of Detroit, Jay Dilla. So we also want to send some acknowledgments there. Happy heavenly birthday to the good brother Jay Dilla. Also want to send a very, very special shout out to Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.